Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the pop culture. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pumping, nuclear brain damage. And the love. Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Stuck in the 80s. I'm your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, our interview with John Oates from Holland Oates. With me, as always, he makes my dreams come true, Sean Daly. I thought uh, my kiss was on your list. It is on my list. What number? What number is it? 105. I might be four or after bass note. Sadly, I only know like 70 people. (laughs) You don't like my policies, you can just come on down here and smooch my big old white butt. Pucker up, buttercup. I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, Originally, I wasn't. I wasn't going to do this awesome interview with you. I was going to bail out. But instead, I you looked at me with those puppy dog eyes, and I decided to talk to Mister Oates, and I'm glad I did. He's a good interview. Yeah, he's great. We've uh, we've wanted to talk to Holland Oates for a long time now. They've uh, they fl- they keep flirting with the Bay Area. They keep scheduling a concert, and then something comes up. But they're playing here in Clearwater on uh, April, April 15th. 15th. That's right, with Eckerd Hall, and two uh, days before Tom Jones. Really? Yeah, I'm really excited. It's like Sean Daly week at Ruth Eckerd. <laughs> The, the little old ladies are really going to love you. <laughs> oh, man, they already hate me. Yeah. God. Have you ever seen Hollow Notes in concert? Yes. I have. I saw them uh, and Michael McDonald. Opened up? Who <laughs> I love. Yeah, Michael McDonald is awesome. These are all my guilty pleasures. I saw them, and I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't crazy about their show. They do. Um, they did a lot of newer stuff. Uh, they did, uh, and they, they rearranged some songs. And these, their stuff from the 70s, 80s, and even some 90s is so good. And so perfect, private eyes and kiss on my list. You make my dreams that I don't want to hear it any other way. It doesn't need to be unplugged for me, you know. Yeah. And yet I, I I'm going to give them another chance, you know. But yeah. I love them. I'm an absolute freak for Hollow Notes. Everybody is. They're the pop. They're the hottest selling duo of all time. I thought we were the hottest selling duo of all time. We're the hottest sellouts of all time. <laughs> the um, I saw him back in 1982 here in Clearwater, uh, Tampa area. Um, I, I mentioned it to uh, to John Oates. To Mr. Oates, yeah. He seemed unimpressed, but that's okay. No, because you put it in a way like it was highly educational. And he's like, I, I kind of nerded out. Like, well, baby, you're about to get your graduate degree. I'm like, Woo! It sounded like a porn movie there. I know. It's getting hot in here. Yeah. So we've, we don't want to waste too much time before we get to the interview, but we do want to go through... Our uh, our top five Hall Note favorite songs. My top five is so bizarre, but it's so perfect. I love each and every one of these morsels. You know why I don't like doing these anymore? Why? Because you do your list, and everyone loves Sean Daly's list because it contains all the hidden gems. <laughs> like, well, oh, when's the last time we did? Oh, ONJ? No. So, some things are better left unset. That's hey, shut brilliant. Up. Don't ruin brilliant. my list. Shut up. Let me do my list. Then I do my list, and, and, and everyone's like, boring. Yeah, I mean, oh, Sarah Smile. Ooh, you went out on a limb with that one. What's wrong with loving a classic? D-bag. All right, who, are we going to go back and forth? Am I doing Back and forth, just like we do All right, in the what's shower? your number five? Ooh. 
Uh, I can't go for that. I can't go for that. Oh, all right, great. Okay, my number five is you make my dreams. Okay, I go for obvious first, and then I get into it. Yeah? Yeah. Let's hear a little uh, I can't go for that, though. But play that part. You sound better than Daryl Hall. I know. It's At great. Hall. Oats, come with me, baby. All right, my what's your number four? It's number four, Sarah Smile. Jeez. I love Sarah Smile. My number Smile. four is so awesome. It could be my favorite Hall and Oats song, but I couldn't really put it number one because Oatsy, you're about to hear, he buzzes me because I asked him to do this song in concert. It's a little thing called Bank on Your Love, a deep album cut from Big Bam Boom. Let's hear it. Dude, what what are you doing? It's awesome. It's like the like the most listened to song on my iPod. Bank on your love. Uh, uh, uh. I can't even find it online. No, that the it doesn't exist. Quicker than the eye. Somebody out there. It in sounds 80s like a survivor Nation. song. Shut up. Somebody out there and stuck in the eighties nation is like, dude, I love Bank on Your Love. Bass did it again. Bass note. Doctor yeah. Dim. Kevin Winch. They're all like, we love Daily's List. It's Ooh, so edgy. Okay, what's your number three? Uh, the ever so uh, edgy and the alternative out of touch. <laughs> I like out of touch. Seriously, the out Big Band Boom album was awesome. My number three is a little uh, gem called Wait for Me. La 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 la. God damn, you're jacked, onto that. Baby. Yeah, what's up with that? Tell everybody we just ate a delicious Indian restaurant. Yeah, and 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 my blood sugar is I'm pumping, I'm going, but recording a podcast with you after lunch is terrible. I don't know. I'm not All that the bad. blood's in your belly. It's out of your brain. Come on, baby. Oh, jack God. it up for the people. Will do. Your boyfriend's like Derek T. Demand it. Okay, Davey. Ready? What, where are we at oh, on the list? Number two. What's your number two? Number two, She's Gone. <laughs> Listen, all the songs you're giving are great. They are. Not the most exciting list. My number two is Some Things Are Better Left Unsaid. Like this list. God, oh. that's terrible. I never even heard of that song. Some things are better left unsaid. Spizzy. I thought Frankie Valli and Annette Francello did that. Okay, you're really ruining this. Number one. Number one, Kiss is on my list. I think it's just Kiss on my list, isn't it? Whatever. Kiss is are on you my confused? Do you even know who we're talking about today? My number are you some, one. Are you number somehow one confused? You think I'm talking about some other band? God, oh, Kiss I, is on my list. I hate you. God, I Dude, hate Stop you. throwing things at my me. My number one is Private Eyes, baby. Play it. You know what's so great about this song? Uh, the Edmonton Oilers hockey team actually play this in the locker really? room after every victory, and they clap along in the chorus as a team. It's a team exercise. It's a, it's a team-building exercise, Let's something go. you have no knowledge of. <gasps> For shame. That's true. Once again, my list is better than yours. Go find Bank on Your Love, everybody. And I know iTunes has it. I it, know iTunes has it. It is not on any of their the best of CDs. Album. And as we know, I only buy best of CDs. God, you're, you're so tired. All right. After we talk to Mr. Oates, you 
have a little surprise for everybody, yes. right? Yes, yes. Uh, this will be Steve's top five mustaches of the 80s. Correct. In honor of the... Uh, the long since shorn mustache of Mr. Oates. Do you ever th- <laughs> and your long since shorn mustache. Yeah. You know what? I've had a mustache more recently than he has. Yeah. He, he tells us a shocking little. Uh, yeah. You have to wait back. for the end. Wait for the end. All right. Are you ready to give it to him? I'm ready. Let's. You ready? Roll tape. Hey, John, you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, this is Sean Daly. I'm the music critic at the St. Pete Times, and uh, you're oh, and uh, I'm with uh, Steve Spears, an editor at TampaBay.com. Are you in Florida today? I am. Yeah, we're up in uh, northern Florida. We're up, uh, up, up by Jacksonville. Excellent. Excellent. Are you going to go to the beach or anything? Yeah, we're going. We have actually a day off today, which is nice. We'll be on the beach, and we're looking forward to coming down your way and spending a couple more days on the beach. Yes, that's right. April fifteenth, uh, you and Daryl are at uh, Ruth Eckerd Hall in Clearwater. Yep, it's a little chilly now, but hopefully by the time you're here, it'll be warmer. Yeah, it's supposed to be nice. It's okay for us. We just spent a long winter in Colorado, so anything is good. We're yeah. we're, we're happy. Where are you guys living these days? Uh, well, we live in Colorado. Um, I've been out with family for twenty years now. Really? Do you still have any sort of ties in Philly or anything? Oh, only my parents. My yeah. parents fill that area still. Uh, but no, not really. Uh, other than that, not really. That's good because we're furious with Philadelphia these days because you guys kicked our ass in the World Series. Well, I know. I, I sang the uh, national anthem that, on that crazy game uh, where it got postponed. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you put yeah. the jinx on it. Yeah, you're the reason we lost. I am the reason you lost. I'm, I'm absolutely 100% responsible for that. <laughs> well, listen, John, we're huge fans of you guys. And, uh, I mean, we're both, we were both raised on your music. And uh, Steve and I have been uh, working together for about three years now, and we already hate each other's guts. And yet, <laughs> and yet you and Daryl have been together for uh, four decades now. I so we, we, need some relation, we need some relationship advice. What is your secret to a long-lasting relationship? Ah, boy, I'll tell you what, it's it's a very strange thing, you know, uh, duos in general have a very unusual dynamic, and uh, it's, it's always, you know, I, I, it's very hard, it's a, it's a question that's been asked to me so many times, I, I have to say that I think the reason it has to do with the fact that we grew up, we grew up on the same kind of music, we have the exact same backgrounds when it comes to our, 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 our you know, really when we were really young, before we even met. You know, we went to the same kind of schools, lived in the same part of uh, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. We listened to the same kind of music. We were we were excited and inspired by the same type of music. Uh, and then when we got together, that that formed like a, a musical bond. I think that is really just a very very solid kind of a way that we relate musically on a lot of levels. But at the same time, to to put that in contrast, uh, we're so different as people. We're completely different. I mean, we couldn't be any more different uh, in, you know, in so many ways on the personal side that I think we balance each other out in a, in a kind of a strange, weird way. Um, and I guess there you go into the yin-yang thing kind of, uh, you know, as, as a, you know, so I guess that's a symbolic way of talking about it. And, and in, a, in a ways, uh, that, that's the best I can do, really. Now, now, throughout the years, especially recently, you've each had your own solo projects, and... Um, mm-hmm. Last year, you came out with a very excellent uh, solo album called "A Thousand Miles of Life." Yes, and I, I was—I downloaded it last night. And I was listening to it at home. I was really taken by the song um, "Ghost Town" about yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. How often have you have you been there? Often since Hurricane Katrina. 
Um, no, not often, but I have. Um, I was there the first time was about a year and a half after the uh, after the hurricane, and one of the things that struck me the most was the fact that I had a friend who lived in the neighborhoods outside of the uh, French Quarter. And, you know, the French Quarter, they got back on their feet pretty quick because, you know, that's where all the people and tourists go and everything. And, you know, they kind of got that looking good and, and back up and running. But some of the neighborhoods and the places outside the French Quarter really were just totally, uh, a year and a half after the hurricane, were still completely in, in, in shambles and, uh, and just a, a complete wreck, you know. And it was kind of weird to me that, in an American city that that much time could go by and no one would do anything about it. Um, and it really showed me that, you know, it kind of struck me, struck my heart and, and that the, uh, you know, the, the, the disenfranchised in this country, you know, don't necessarily get the same, same deal as uh, a lot of other people. And, uh, it really bothered me. And I started, uh, that's where that song came from. And what I try to do musically with that song is I try to create that eerie kind of New Orleans funeral march and, um, you know, kind of to give it like this atmospheric thing. I really wanted to set the feeling of, of New Orleans and give it that feeling. I was really lucky to have John Popper play on that from Blues Traveler, and also uh, the banjo on that is Bela Fleck, the great uh, banjo player who's um, so amazing. And uh, I just had such great musicians on that album, so it was really a lot of fun to do. Yeah, you have uh, Jerry Douglas, right, the great uh, Dobro player. Oh, yeah. Jerry Douglas and Sam Bush. I mean, I'm going to go name drop all over the place. You know, so right. Steve Cropper's playing on it, and uh, Bonnie Bramlett and Becca Bramlett. Uh, you know, Jimmy Wayne. Uh, just so so many great people are on the album. So. When you make a solo album, is there? Do you ever have that kind of the phantom limb uh, experience? Like, does it feel weird? Are you are you missing your boy Daryl at all, or how does that work? No, not at all, not at all. I mean, especially on this album. This album was so different than the stuff I'm doing with Daryl or have done with Daryl. I mean, you know, I did it in Nashville. I did it in a real classic old-school Nashville session style, you know, where I hand-picked the musicians, uh, created a rhythm section. We all sat in the room, we looked at each other, we played the songs, and that was it. Tracks were done. We moved on. Uh, so it was great. It was. I really wanted to do that. We even picked an old studio from the 70s to do it in, uh, Ronnie Millsap's uh, studio, old wow. studio. And uh, so the vibe was very kind of old-school in approach, but you know, state-of-the-art in terms of the way we recorded and everything. Uh, I hired a really great uh, old-school engineer as well to really capture that that band, you know, live band in the studio test sound. You must have been thinking, what have what, what, what I been doing all these years? I should have gone solo a long time ago. Oh, no, it's not that. You know, I mean, what I do with Daryl is unique, and uh, we can never we can never replicate it or replace it. It's something special that just happens when he and I get together. Uh, the solo stuff, whether it's him or me, is totally different, you know, and it's like... Uh, that's that gives us a chance to express ourselves on a, on a different in a different way. So, uh, I think they both have their place, and uh, I think it's it's fun to be able to have uh, have both. I uh, I haven't seen you guys play live since uh, the H two O tour back in the early eighties when mm-hmm. you uh, you played down here in St. Petersburg at the old Bayfront Center, which is long gone now. And uh, for that tour, I remember you had one of the most incredible you know backing set of musicians I'd ever seen. You know, you had G. E. Smith on guitar. You know, yep. T-Bone walk on bass. It was an amazing show, and I went into that thinking I only knew like 
stuff off of H2O, but man, that was like an educational concert. I think it was... <laughs> Educational concert, yes. That's, that's our job. We are, we are the, um, the nutty professors of pop music. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, well, you know what, then? Prepare, be prepared to go to graduate school on the next show, then, uh, because we are, um, we're better now. <laughs> ask you real quick going back to like you guys talk about how you and daryl have that magic together going back to like the 70s 80s and 90s where everything you guys touched everything turned to gold you know just tell us a little about uh, about the creative process with you two especially back then where it was just like oh my god i mean you guys were like michael jordan i mean everything you guys did was great was brilliant well, uh, you know, in the 70s, I think really the 70s, the entire decade, if you look at the type of albums we put out and how they, you know, what they sounded like, I think it was a period of experimentation. Uh, you know, you look at the first three albums, Whole Oats, uh, Band of Lunch, War Babies, they were completely different. Um, Whole Oats was very singer-songwriter, very organic. A Band of Luncheonette was kind of this blending of, of uh, kind of acoustic songwriter in, in R&B, and then War Babies was a full rock experiment with Todd Rundgren. And you take those three albums, and if you combine them together, you get really what, what we ended up finally creating as our own you know, original sound. And throughout the 70s, I think we dabbled in a lot of different styles to try to find ourselves. And then the 80s, it kind of came together. We produced ourselves, the hits started rolling. Um, it was just an intense time where we would just, uh, we would write songs really fast, we record them fairly quickly, we get on a bus, we make videos, get on a bus, go on tour for a year, come back and do it all over again. And it never really stopped, and it never stopped for years and years and years. So um, it was just a crazy, intense time, uh, really hard to, to put into words, because uh, it seemed like it just flew by, it seemed like it was, it was like on fast forward all the time. Now, um, you wrote Maneater, which um, I believe is still your best-selling hit. I actually saw you all perform it the other night on um, Dancing, Dancing with, with the Stars. stars. You notice I was only tapping my toes. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't jumping into that world. Um, no, I, you know, I, 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 wrote the, uh, I got the idea for Maneater, and I started Maneater. I wrote the chorus of it um, and uh, had this, you know, what I thought was a really cool hook, which obviously I was right. Uh, and then Daryl and I got together and finished it, and we wrote the, the verses together. So um, that was one of those songs that really came out of the, living in New York in the 80s. It was a real New York 80s song. Uh, it was about the people that we were you know, meeting and you know, were hanging out with, and uh, that kind of you know, greedy kind of, um, you know, me first, uh, the, guy with the, you know, the one that dies with the most toys wins kind of concept. Right. And that's where that song came from. Now, I read in an interview somewhere that uh, you had originally wanted to sing that song instead of Daryl. What happened? Well, um, I came to my senses, pretty much. Uh, uh, you know, what we used to do is, is pretty much, you know, if one of us generated a song, then that was the person who usually sang it. But at that time, uh, all the hits 
Daryl was the voice of all the hits, and um, the record company put some pressure on us. And they, you know, it was one of those things where being a partner, I guess I had to uh, act like a partner and, and do what was best for the for the, the, the general, you know, the partnership and the whole in general. And basically, the thing where I, I realized that if I sang, it was going to be a hit of some sort, but it might not be a, a best match, and um, that's what happened. Hey, coming back to the uh, April 15th date at Ruth Eckerd Hall, you guys are calling this tour Up Close and Personal. Mm-hmm. How does this differ from, like, previous tours? What are we going to see? Give us a tease. Well, well, you know, when you're in a place like Ruth, Ruth Eckerd Hall, first of all, it is up close and personal. That's that's one of the nice things about playing. We've played it many times, and it's a great room. It's a great and it's a room where I think our fans enjoy going because they're comfortable, they can hear the music, it sounds good. And that's really what it's all about for us. Um, we did a we did a, a show at the Troubadour Club in L.A. Uh, about a year ago, and that was uh, kind of a return to uh, our first venue that we ever played in Los Angeles back in the early 70s. So we decided to pull out a bunch of abandoned luncheonette songs and kind of go into the spirit of, of the this type of show that we would have done back in those early 70s. Um, and so we, and we and people really loved it, so we decided to take that on tour this year. So we're trying to replicate the spirit of that. Those early uh, '70s shows, and we do a lot of abandoned luncheonette material. And you're pulling out some deep album cuts, right? Well, you know, the abandoned luncheonette was always an album that was a fan favorite over the years, and uh, people always talk about it. They've always loved it. It was an album that really meant a lot to a lot of people. So going back to that album and, and you know, and leaning on that a little bit more um, gives the show a whole different feel. Not to say that we don't play the '80s hits and, and stuff like that, because we do. Um, but it just and it's it's interesting for us too because it makes it fun for us to play new material. Sarah's off on a turnaround, flying gambling fools to the holy land Las Vegas. Sometimes she's here and sometimes she can't be found. Turn around. Hey, John, you have a lot of, like, hip-hop stars seem to love you guys, and they're always sampling uh, your songs. I think Biggie's uh, Notorious B.I.G. sample, I Can't Go For That. How do, you, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about that? I think it's amazing. I think whenever someone does that, I think they're, they're in, in essence, they're, uh, they're honoring you in a way because it, it's, it shows that, that whatever it is that we did, with their elements of that, those grooves and those those vibes um, were influential to a new generation of songwriters and musicians. So to me, it's, a, it's an honor, and I think it's amazing. And I love to hear what, how people interpret uh, our original stuff and where they take it. And I think it's cool. Um, it's the way of the world. You know, it's a, it's a new style of pop music, and uh, we, I guess we form kind of more of a foundation of, of the original pop that, that uh, gave, gave birth to whatever's going on today. You know, um, I always thought that Every Time You Go Away was always a uh, Paul Young original until I heard your original version. Mm-hmm. You've, you've obviously heard both versions. And what do you think of his take on that? I mean, that's an 80s classic well, in a way. Our, our, the version that we did on the Voices album, we did it specifically because uh, we, we both heard it like a, a Memphis, like um, kind of like an Otis Redding, a Stan and Dave style song. Uh, and we did it on the Voices album in that style. If you listen to the original version, it's got a B3 organ, it's really organic, and it's kind of this old, kind of retro R&B uh, take on, on that song. Uh, what Paul Young and Paul Young's producers did with that is turned it into a really great pop song. And I give them credit for hearing it in the way they heard it and turning it in, turning a really good song 
into a big hit because of the way they produced it and the style of, of the record they made. Um, I still like our original version because I think it's more rootsy and more real, but at the same time, you can't deny that Paul Young's version was just a better pop song. John, I have two things left. One, I want to put in a re- request for Bank of Your Love, my favorite Hall Notes song from Adam Won't hear it. Won't hear it. No, no, why? Why don't you like that? Don't do that to me. It's like my most played song on my iPod. It's not, it's not that we don't like it. We just don't know it. Oh, really? I mean, uh, you I have thought... to remember we have about 400 songs. Oh, I know, uh, I know. And the band can only play a certain amount of them. And we, 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 we have about 50 songs in our repertoire, which is pretty darn good. Um, but we, we can't do everything. And that's one we, we have not done yet. So well, sorry. Thank Maybe you we'll for being it, so you know? coldly honest with me and buzzering me. And, and, <laughs> and finally, we've saved it to the, the very end out of respect for you and your, your upper lip. Why are people so obsessed with John Oates' mustache? Because they're crazy. <laughs> That's why. Um, no, you know, it's, it's become a thing. Um, I don't know. I guess the mustache is like this kind of iconic uh, sim- symbol of the 70s and the 80s. Uh, and that mustache that I had it was seen so many times in the pictures and the photos and the videos. Um, and, you know, the fact that the mustache is kind of back with the younger generation right. people. It's kind of like a hip thing to have a mustache again. So um, I guess people look back to the early days of the mustache, and uh, there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, there's actually a guy who has a website um, who uh, who does uh, pictures of me with the mustache in these really strange, um, <laughs> strange ways. So um, uh, I don't know. It's just a thing. Uh, but it's gone. It's been gone for 18 years. Uh, 18 years? Has it really? I shaved you off in 1990. Wow. It's the it ain't back. It ain't coming back. I don't think I'd look too cool with a white mustache. It might look a little strange. <laughs> uh, good point. Well, we can't wait to see you April 15th at Ruth Eckerd Hall. We'll be there. Sean promises he will not be yelling out that song title. Yeah, I promise. He can, he can, he can yell it out all he wants. But, um, <laughs> You'll know it's me, at least. That's right. I'll know who it is. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, John. All right, man. All right. See you good soon. Talk to you guys. So there you go, the great John Oates. That was good. I'm really glad I came in for that. Very pleasant guy. Very, very pleasant guy. You know, guys like this, and uh, you guys are going to hear our Michael McKeon interview in a couple weeks, just solid professional interviews. There's some, you know what the best part of my job is, you know, aside from... Uh, Working sitting, right next yeah, to me every morning? I didn't morning. say that. When I pick up the phone here in the Stuck in the 80s studio, and it's the guy on the other line, it's like, you know, you know St. Pete Times, this is Steve. It's like... Hey, Steve, this is John Oates. You're just like, yeah. oh. We should have had him record a bumper for us. I didn't think about it. And same thing with Michael McKeon. Oh, hey, Steve, Michael McKeon here. I'm just like, Bleh. That's great. You know, I, you know, I interviewed Tom Jones, the great yeah. Tom Jones who I adore, and he called me himself. We didn't record it. We just did it for a, I was in it for a feature. And he's like, hello, Sean, it's Tom. And I'm like, 
hi Tom Jones. Like when I I'm just doing it for the paper, I'm a lot nerdier. Yeah, not all cool and steel. You don't ask like, that great Ooh. question about the education of Hall and Oates like I did <laughs> and get mocked. I'm all cool on our interviews. Anyway, are we gonna do mustaches now or after the seggies? After the seggies. All right, hit it. Ah, by the sound of the tune, it must be time for reader mailbag. And um, I'd like to think that I picked out two gems this week for Sean. One is extremely long. I'll give you that. Uh, the second one is somebody. Uh, yeah, the second one is just a. Yeah, it's kind of digging on me a little bit, the second one, but I'll read it, Derek T. But first of all, there's a delightful one from Keith in Galveston, Texas. Are you ready, Mr. Spears? Fire away, Mr. Davis. Hey, guys. See, that's a nice way of starting. Instead of this whole politicizing whose name goes first. Hey, guys. It's just Keith. <laughs> From G-Town. Hey, guys, just discovered the podcast about a month ago. And this week spent 20 hours in the car each way, taking the family on a spring break trek from Galveston, Texas, to Coral Springs, Florida. Listen to back issues of Stuck in the 80s. I like that, back issues. Makes me feel like Cream Magazine or something. <laughs> or Swank. Listen to back issues of Stuck in the 80s the whole time with one earbud in and one arm free to keep the kids in line in the back seat. I know how that is. Funny thing, I had the iPhone on shuffle, so the casts were played in random order. So it was confusing hearing constant references to Mama Naw and Funyuns and Steve's shaky voice whenever Invisible Touch was mentioned until I finally heard every show. Mama Naw. I wonder if you knew uh, about Natalie Diffenbaugh. Drink, drink, drink. Blue eyes are not bright as stars when they're shining on me. Back to the letter. But here's the thing. I have some almost scary life parallels with Steve and Sean. I was born in 1967 and graduated high school in 85. Same as me. Really? Yep. You're 67? Yep. 1970. <sighs> You're so old. I can't get your bones creaking. Anyway, Keith continues. I became a man Ooh, to the Thompson Twins' You Take Me Up, which for years I found very clever but now seems pretty lame. One time in my dorm room with my girlfriend during my freshman year in college, I said, it smells like Funyuns in here. I was soon horrified and embarrassed as the girl teared up because we discovered it was her feet. <laughs> I find that somewhat arousing, actually. I find that very disturbing. <laughs> what? Did I find it arousing? Yes. I date a girl with Funyun feet. <sighs> Come here, baby. Okay, incredibly, the relationship recovered from that, and we dated through our whole freshman year. Actually, she was very attractive, despite the Funyun feat. <clears throat> In fact, her parents entered her against her will into a regional Miss Korea pageant, which she won and went to Korea in the summer of 86 to compete in the next stage. Before leaving, she gave me a green and white striped Ralph Lauren shirt with a pink polo guy and a copy of Invisible Touch on vinyl, which I listened to endlessly while she was gone. You okay, Steve? I'll be okay. Needless to say, when she came back, having won Miss Congeniality for smiling and nodding through the whole pageant since she didn't speak Korean, she broke up with me. Ooh, because her parents finally convinced her she should be dating nice Korean boys, not nerdy white guys like me. Man, I find that... I like the Asian women. All too women. familiar. I like the Asian women, yeah. And I'm a nerdy white guy, so. So, like you, Steve, Invisible Touch instantly became the Rubicon over which I stepped into several years of cynicism and despair. That would be the best line in reader mailbag history. I'm going to read it again, okay? Good. So, like you, Steve, Invisible Touch instantly became the Rubicon over which I stepped into several years of cynicism and despair. 
How many times I imagined singing angry version of throwing it all away up in her face and marching away defiantly. Anyhow, the road trip was fantastic with you guys in my ear. I was laughing out loud so many times and nodding my head right on cue to Sean's, Sean Daly's insightful comments. My family kept asking me, what's so funny? Of course, they wouldn't get it because they are not stuck in the 80s. Keep up the great work. Keith, Galveston, Texas. I'm going to say it right now. Best letter ever? Best letter ever. And not just because he smooched up to me at the end. It there. tells a story, a story of pain and of overcoming the pain. Sir, say it. Do you think it's the best letter ever? Yeah, it's definitely one of the We've best We've had letters. some great ones. Yeah. But Keith and Galveston, let's send him something. What do we got? The Rod Stewart CD is gone. Gone. The Cub Scouts Mad took that. gone. Uh, we got the E.T. Send them the E.T. and E.T. Soap. soap on its way to Galveston. You know what? I have a giant Genesis book, but it would cost us like $170 to oh, send it Oh, yeah. There. I know which one you're talking that about. That lyric book? Yeah, I've got it now. I wonder how much my I wonder if work would pay for it. I'd like Keith to have that. Anyway, great letter. We have another letter, though, and this is more about Steve and the VGF. This is from Derek, and I have a theory about this that I'll share with you after I'm done reading. Sean, Steve, and Dr. VGF. As much as I like the podcast with the two stars of Stuck in the 80s, I admit I learn more. I learn more from the ones with Vegas girlfriend. She usually brings some little known movie to the show. And to be honest, a little more intellect. After all, she is soon to be Dr. VGF. <sighs> Sometimes listening to her and you, Steve, it's just what I need to make me smile. Remember, this is a guy writing this letter, everybody. <clears throat> Other times... I like the sausage fest because it feels like I'm sitting around with friends and talking about some of my favorite subjects. Keep up the good work, and I will keep you up to date on what is happening in Germany. Stuck in the 80s and in Europe, Derek. Here's my theory. Here we go. Thank you, Derek, first of all, for sending letters. We always appreciate the letters from you guys. I think there is a large chunk of our uh, listenership that essentially wants to be you, Steve Spears. Okay, or maybe not be you, but they think that basically you guys share the same uh, soul or spirit. I'm the entry point. You are the entry point. No one ent enters through me. <laughs> Ew, ouch. <laughs> uh, you are the entry point for a lot of people to this show. Okay. They feel like you experienced the 80s much like they did. Okay, so a fellow like Derek T, essentially every time you sleep with Vegas' girlfriend, who's a beautiful woman, Derek kind of feels like he's getting a little too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So essentially, when they hear they hear her talking on the, and she has a very smoky, you know, seductive, sultry voice, they feel like maybe they have a shot with her, or they also are coupling with her. What do you think of that theory? Stephen That's an interesting Spears? theory. I don't know. Um, it's funny. The intellect thing. You don't learn anything with me. I bring the knowledge. Yeah, you do bring some knowledge. <laughs> knowledge of like, uh, you know, was it uh, bugle-sized maggots? Remember that. Ma yeah, I do. They were bugle-sized maggots. The, they popped um, in my uh, sweaty five-dollar bills. Richard Marx's gigantic head. Um, yeah, it's funny because every time we get an email about VGF, I do send it to her. So it always cheers her up a lot. So thank you, Derek. You know that's crap. You edit a lot of my stuff for the paper. I know stuff. <laughs> do I not know stuff? Yeah, you know plenty of stuff. If you go back and you listen to your voice, to got high pitched like you were lying. No, that's no, you, lie. Sean's an excellent writer. He knows more uh, today than I'll learn in my lifetime about music. But um, if you go back to the er the first like 
50 or 60 podcasts that we did. Sean is just re- – I mean, you you regurgitate information like I regurgitate on Saturday morning after a wild <laughs> turkey. Do I really? Yeah. You, you're, you, nowadays, you're more, you're more the foil to me. Like, you know, ah, Journey sucks. Ah, Steve Perry's a bozo. I never said that about Journey. Stuff like that. Was I a lot more learned in the old days? Yeah, a little bit. All right. That's well, okay. I'm sorry, People Derek, love you for who you are. I on this show. I'm furious. <laughs> People no, love I you. I come on this show to have fun. You know, I come on. I, I'm, I'm forget about time, your worries. Guys. Forget about my worries. Share some time with my buddy Steve. I'm sorry if you're not learning anything with me. Son of a bitch. All you're doing now is there's like 10,000 people at home tearily typing away emails. <laughs> my, my, I love I'm going to come in on Monday. My email box can be full with, you know, we love you, Sean. And all, all these people are like, you know, we you know Keith Johnny. seems to like me just fine, Derek. Yeah. You know, it's Germany. I'm surprised Derek's not living in Canada. <laughs> As always, we love your emails. Good, bad, evil, whatever, even Canadian ones. Send them to stuckinies at tempe.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. I love it. Yeah. How are we doing on a new segment on the show? Didn't you ask readers about a new segment? You know, last time I put a fake commercial break in the show, and I got no feedback whatsoever. So there you go. A fake commercial break. Halfway through the show, you hear we we go to commercial break and you hear an old Wendy's commercial, the Where's the Beef commercial. Oh, is that going to be like a new segment? Like a new I don't know, man. Nobody. We we spent all that time working on that clever intro with the stuck in the eighties answering machine. Nobody I commented that was on that. So funny. Stephanie did a great job. It was Stephanie Hayes? Yeah. In case you don't we know. spent we spent a ridiculous amount of time doing that. No comments whatsoever. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, the most not, people. I'm comment- not feeling very giving right now. Wow. Wow! I think this week everybody might get. How it. many listeners recoiled in horror just now? <laughs> well, let's play a little a fun little game of mystery movie moment. Okay, pay attention. Here was last week's mystery movie. This blood's for you. I thought I was being clever this week, but I guess not because everyone caught on that that was my best friend is a vampire starring the great Robert Sean Leonard. Nobody won this week. A couple people won. Really? Okay. Yep. Uh, David E. Fox. Uh, Swordy in Australia. Wait a minute. That's Swordy. Swordy? S W O R D Y. Wouldn't it be Swordy? Swordy. Swordy? Swordy? Let us know, Swordy. And, <laughs> I guess if it was Swordy in Australia, it'd be, I don't know. Let us know. I don't know. Ian from Baltimore also won. He, he says he wants nothing but to hear his name mentioned. There you go. Ian from Baltimore. 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 Charm City. Baby. Hey, haven't we been to Baltimore? Oh, yeah. We were just up in Baltimore, actually. Remember? Ah, Stephen Sean in Charm City, Baltimore. My old hometown. Crab cakes, Orioles, seagulls. Hey, Steve, do we know anybody from Baltimore? Yeah, Swarty. No, he's from Australia. Really? Yeah. Now let's get the f*** out of here, then. Ah, I, lo- I love those crab cakes. Uh, I'll tell you, I am from Baltimore. I should take you up there. Everybody go to G&M. G&M crab cakes in Baltimore. The best crab cakes in the world. You don't like crab cakes, do you? I don't think like a lot of... Bread and no, not a real crab cake. Back fin, baby lump crab. <laughs> All right, <laughs> don't make me. Is there another? Is there this week's mystery movie moment? There is. All right, ready? Yep. Pay attention. Here it comes. What are you gonna get? Fingerprints? I'm telling you, I'm not gonna do the dust. <laughs> <laughs> Any guesses, my friend? I love what you just did there. If you know it. Email us at stuckinese at tempe.com because only a fan of Baltimore backfin crab cakes could yes. call you a swarty. 
Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, time to play a snippet of a song from the 80s. And if you get it right, maybe some soap. E.T. soap. No, we're going to send it to Keith. I got like two bars. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. One for uh, upper part of your body, one for the lower part. You should have sudsed up VGF last time she was here with the Elliot soap. I didn't know I didn't. Actually, people might want the soap even more Actually, now. they probably would. Yeah. Derek would. He'd learn something and get a Woody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our signature game. Yeah, pay attention. Here was last week's mystery tune. That's unsatisfied by the replacements. That's a good one. I like that song. The Westerberg. It's featured in the movie. It's featured in the movie Adventureland, which was what we were talking about. Yeah, I want to go week. see that. It's good. You like Check it. it out. Nobody won though, unfortunately, this week. Nobody won. Um, unfortunately, everybody from the state of Minnesota pretty much got this one right. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Very funny. Include, but Kevin Winch did too. Doctor Dim. Winch. He's won like nine weeks in a row now. He's like a he's an idiot savant when it comes to the eighties. Doctor Dim, you're rewarding Doctor Dim for being such a bastard, such a hard case. I might send him a copy. Supposedly, we're supposed to get this uh, shipment of CDs. Um, soundtracks from Adventureland to give away. And oh, if cool. I get them in time... You got Santa Dim? Maybe. He's tough on us. Maybe. He's tough but honest. Like bass note. <laughs> Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us at stuckinies at tempebay.com because Dr. Dim is ready to call you a weeder. <laughs> Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm from Staten Island, and my husband, he's like a really big fan of you guys, and I have to tell you, I was listening to you guys, and I just don't understand. Air Supply, one guy doesn't like him, but he has the CD. The other guy takes the CD. The guy who has the CD makes fun of the guy who takes the CD because he likes Air Supply, but you're the one who owns it, so I don't understand that. Um, another thing I don't understand is one guy makes fun of Rod Stewart. Actually, you both make fun of Rod Stewart. And what? You own a box set of Rod Stewart. You admit to it. I don't get it. You guys are funny. I think you guys are great. But you guys don't make much sense when it comes to that stuff. I'm sorry. But um, I'll be listening to you guys through another room when my husband is having you guys on. So, uh, whatever. Ah, thanks for the pseudo-fan greeting. Where was she from again? Staten Island. Oh, you'd never know. You can't even tell. No accent at all. Do you think she likes dogs? <laughs> I like dogs. Do you like dogs? Uh, yeah, she doesn't get us, but keep listening. I bet she's only heard like one or two shows. Go back and listen to some of our classics, like our Tom Wopat interview. Don't. Colin Hay. Weird science. Weird science. Enjoy those. Our gift to you. Are we like the Three Stooges? Like only dudes like us? Yeah. We weigh as much as the Three Stooges. <laughs> Put together. Speaking of Stooges, it's time for my list. We promised people long enough. Steve's top five mustaches of the 1980s. 80s, yeah. 80s. 
They have special effects. Cue I, them now. You know, I'll tell you right now. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of Magnum PI. Yep. I Selleck better have a good number on here. I'm we'll so, see. I'm serious. We'll see. All right. Ready? Yes. Number five, Burt Reynolds. Reynolds at five. Burt the Bandit. Reynolds. You can't put Bandit at five. Eh, keep in mind, he wasn't much of an eighties guy. He was more seventies. Wow. Cannonball oh, Run two. I see. Cannonball <laughs> Run two. That's a classic. Yeah, Reynolds switching had a hell channels. Of a stash, though. Oh, I saw that in the Ugh, movies. That was sucked. Paternity. Was that eighties? I love that. Was. Cop that was and a, a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Reynolds though, man. <laughs> That laugh he's got. I love him in uh, Boogie Nights. Yes. But beyond that, we'll see. Number four. I got a three-way tie here. Is that okay? Three-way, you, nice. You tell me which one uh, right. I should win. Uh, Wade Boggs. Oh, Boggsy. Don't cry, Wade. You just came up a buck short. You know who that is? Is that from the 86 series? Yeah, Vince Scully. Go nice, ahead. Nice. Yeah. Ron Jeremy. Jeremy as in the 80s? Dude, that guy's been Dude, making... he was flaccid for most of the 80s. So was I. <laughs> All right. And uh, or Geraldo Rivera. Oh. That's tough. Wow. Rivera had a hell of a stash. He was like a broom. Yeah. I'm going to go with, even though I, I like Boggsy, I'm going to go with Rivera as, number, okay. as, as, as you know. Pick, good pick. I think Jeremy should be, uh, Ron Jeremy should be eliminated because um, he was more of a 70s guy. Okay. That's Lightning fine. Lightning Rod. Number three. I feel pretty strongly about this. Yeah. Freddie Mercury. Uh, see, I got a little misty eyed. Yeah. 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 That's nice. It's a good one. Now uh, I understand Burt Reynolds. I, I'm understand the list now. Yeah. Okay. Number two. Yeah. John Oates. You dropped Oatesy, even though he was gracious enough to talk to us into the number two spot. He had it for the entire uh, 80s. Ah, then you gotta. I will, I will torch this place. Let me hear it. Who's your number one? Number one. Tom Selleck. Are you happy? I know what you're thinking, but you're wrong this time. Come on, Magnum fans. Woo! Represent. Yeah. Has he ever shaved? Has he ever Have you ever said represent before? That was quite urban and hip of you. It sounded pretty white and nerdy. <laughs> That's great. Selleck. I think Selleck has the stash still. Yeah. He looks terrible without the stash. Really, he looks like like Tweedledee or Tweedledum, like a weird like. I'm trying to think if I've ever thing. seen him without it. Well, what's what was he ever in that he didn't have a stash? There's something oh, I know. God, I've seen. He it. went like for like the later half of the '90s. He went stashless. <sighs> you never came over to the Spears Lair to watch Mr. Like Baseball. With me. I love that movie. Though I, I know, I have Baseball. it. I have, have we done a Tom Selleck show yet? No. <sighs> what else is there from the '80s? Well, you got uh, what? Three Men and a Baby. baby. That was good. Come on, that's good. Okay. What else? Magnum. Magnum classic. But Magnum started in 79. Oh, God. Was he in that, was that movie that he was in with Gene Simmons? Oh, it was kind of like... Runaway? Yeah. Was, oh, with the like, th- 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 little, little like, spiders. robot spiders. Yeah. Was that 80s? I can't remember. Oh, no. you're Dude, uh, High Road to China with Bess Armstrong. Ugh. No, it's a great movie. <laughs> you're insane. Oh, I bet Kevin Sorty likes it or whatever his <laughs> name is. Just Sorty. Swarty. Sorty. Sorty. Wise guy, eh? Swatty. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed uh, the interview with John Oates. Um, I want, next week our, is our High Road to China episode. Yeah, to pay, come back for that one. Come for High Road to China. <laughs> Stay for the mustache jokes. I love Bess Armstrong. Oh, she's so cute. Stop it. Distracting me as I'm trying to finish up the show. Sorry, end it. Uh, John Oates and his, his uh, good pal Daryl will be there April 15th, Ruth Eckert Hall, for a classic uh, up-close-and-personal tour. Yes. 
Sean and I, will we be there? We don't know. We promise these things, and then we just people are stop, starting to disbelieve us. No one invites us to parties anymore. No all. one calls us on the phone. We never get emails. We live a sad life. In the meantime, listen to some hollow notes, download some of the classics, go get Sean's beloved bank on your love. Oh, it's so good. And in the, because we're going to stay right here, stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Hey, Steve, do we know anybody in Baltimore? Yeah, Swarty. No, Swarty's. <laughs> hey, Steve, do we know. <laughs> <laughs>